1978, John Shawns was driving up a forest service road deep in the Yuba Mountains when he lost control of his old Volkswagen Bug and became stuck in a snowdrift. Things then went from bad to worse when John went to push his car out and began to suffer a heart attack. Trapped in immense pain, John sought refuge in his vehicle and prayed help would come soon. But hours passed. John saw headlights pull up behind him and a group of men approached the vehicle with flashlights. John, in desperate need for help and medical attention, leaned out the window and yelled for their help, but none would come. Rather, the lights went out and the group of men went silent and seemingly retreated into the darkness. Unbeknownst to John, he may have just been the last person to witness the Yuba County Five alive. Bill Sterling, Jack Hewitt, Ted Weir, Jack Madruga, and Gary Mathias were on their way home from a basketball game in Chico, an hour away from their home. But the five men never made it. Their abandoned car was discovered three hours up a mountain road in the wrong direction. Even more puzzling was the fact that evidence suggested the men took a 31-kilometer hike in the middle of the night, unprepared for the elements, and made it to a cabin in the woods. This case file joined the theorists as they throw it into 3x4 and follow the trail of the Yuba County Five. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 222, The Mystery of the Yuba County Five. I'm Braden. I'm Sil. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. Oh. Woo! Special Sunday edition of the podcast tonight. Um, this case, you know, a lot of people say it's the American Dyatlov Pass. I heard that, you know, there, there is some ca- connections. It definitely gives you some of the mystery revolves it, uh, like that revolves around it, kind of give you some of those vibes. Yeah, a little bit. So like right away, I was enthralled with this one. Like I, I was watching documentaries, <laughs> reading articles. Um, it, it basically the first when someone, I think it was Zell pitched it and I read like the intro of the Wikipedia page. I was like, yep. Sold. <laughs> Sold. Well, I was looking through yeah. episodes for like suggestions on the list on discord. I was just scrolling all the like so far back and someone said you should do the Yuba County five, but I was like, I, we missed it way back in the day somewhere. I think Danny even responded and said like, yeah, we're going to, we got that one. That, that was a good one. And, but we just never did it. And then I was scrolling we, back. No, I remember reading up about it. Like I remember reading a bunch of things about it. So I was already like, I was already familiar with the case. So I kind of knew it. I just, I couldn't remember why, why I had read up about it. Like, I don't know why, but <laughs> I don't know if we were going to do it for a, I don't think we we're going to do it for a confidential. It might've been something else. I'm not sure. No, we this is t- like, uh, there's been, no way. No, this, I mean, the minute I, Braden sent me that article, I've been knee deep in this. I haven't been able to put it down. This one's got like, mongoose got written, written all over this one. 
dude, I would do, I was addicted to it. Contrary to popular to, to contrary belief, I fucking read a book, the whole thing. And there was only like three pictures in it. What book was that? <laughs> uh, out of bounds. The story of the Yuba County five by yeah. Drew Beeson. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a fucking it's a it's a cool case. So hopefully, yeah, we, hopefully, can cram it into one episode because it's one of those ones that you could almost do a two or three if you really got into depth. But you know us, you know us. <laughs> Just skim the surface. <laughs> no, nah, it's gonna be fun, and it starts something like this: on the night of February twenty fourth, Joseph Shones, age fifty five went to ch check the c weather conditions up at his lodge in the Plumas National Forest. On the way up the winding, bumpy road, snow conditions were fierce, drifts forming. His car got stuck on the shoulder. So he does what any single man would do, try and get out and push it yourself. The exertion, though, was too much. He started suffering pains, sharp shooting pains, his left arm. He was having a heart attack. I, I, you should have said, you said sharpshooting pains and you didn't say a Bret heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> he was having a Bret heart attack. Yeah. So he decided, I mean, this is not, it's an, it wasn't a highly used road, but people do go up and down. It is a national park. There's skiing and outdoor activities. So he sat in his car, started the heater. It was a cold winter night. He sat there for six hours. Now, just... With a heart attack, like when you're sitting there, like is that as someone who's you know never had one, uh, surprising, yet, yet. surprising, not yeah. yet. Is that Andrew? Is that something where it's like it's almost debilitating, like while it's happening, like it, and you would just hunker down, like you can't do anything, like it's too painful. Absolutely. Well, definitely, there's varying degrees to heart attacks, right? Yeah. Well, he's not dead, so, so we know it's not that. Well, yeah, severe. right. So a mild, like people can have mild heart attacks and not even know it, right? That being said, this guy, he seems like he's suffering from a typical heart attack, exertion-based, right? Like, it, it also, like, I, we don't really know for sure, but they also could have just been, like, a stable angina, too. Like, he's exerting himself. The chest pain come, came on. When he stopped exerting himself to the pain ease. But it sounds like, you know, like, if you're having a heart attack and he's literally having the pain down his left arm, he's clutching his chest like he's having a, a significant cardiac event he's having a yeah. he's having an episode here he's having a jammer he's yeah. having a, he's having a jammer. he he climbs back in the car he turns it on cranks the heat and he's just chilling in his car because that's basically all he can do he's waiting it's the 78 there's no cell phones no he's also something i will point out that will give a little throwback later he's driving a volkswagen bug Ugh. a nice beetle yeah probably rear wheel drive not uh, not ideal for snowy conditions, but you know what? Yeah, you, you got to go with what you have. So, so he, yeah, he's waiting in the car. It's like six hours go by. He's starting to run out of gas. When he sees what he seems seems like truck headlights pull up behind him, and what he th he says, he spots like six people, possibly one holding a baby. When he cries out. For help, I mean, he he's hoping someone comes. When he cries out for help, the headlights turn off, the voices stop, and they seemingly disappear. Time goes by. He feels like I'm, I will interject though. I think those people that he called out for help that ducked him, it's probably smart. They've probably seen that meme with that old guy being like, "Call an ambulance, but not for me," <laughs> yeah. right? Like they're yeah. probably just making sure it's. <laughs> this like, is the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, I'm gonna make, gotta make sure. Yeah. 
after the headlights go out, he's baffled as to why these people won't help him. But after a while, he's almost he's, his car's out of gas. There's nothing he can do. He feels okay. He bundles up and he makes out on foot for the next closest point. And on his way walking, though, he notices a 68 Montego just seemingly parked on the shoulder. And little did he know, he may have been the last person to see the Yuba County Five. Dun, dun, dun. Fuck, got chills already, boys. Like, I, I know what happens and I got chills. Yeah. It was beautiful. All right, let's take, let's take it to the start. Who are the Yuba County Five and why is the internet and every true crime show, including us, obsessed with this case? Maester, you're not jumping in here? Do you want me to? I, well, I, 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 I opened it, open it up to the floor. I opened it up to the floor. I can introduce you guys quickly to the Yuba County Five, right? Um, as individuals, we've got Ted Ware, age 32. Um, one comic, we're going to, let's just touch this right off the bat here. So we're going to be talking about these five individuals. And, you know, a factor in this case is the fact that they're, they all are suffering from um, a level of cognitive impairment. Right. And the cognitive, the levels of cognitive impairment vary between these guys. Right. But the, one of the things that we want to talk about, like right away is like that might have been a variable in what happened, but it isn't the reason why these things happen to these individuals. No. And if you look okay. up, if you look up the true headline of the articles, you will see yeah. it printed in a different way. Yeah. And that's, that's 2005 up. Braden would have found it hilarious. Luckily, this is 2022 grade. Yeah. All right. Didn't but yeah, yeah, so so like like that's let's touch that right off the bat. And like at the time, this is what 1978. You know, they didn't really have like, you know, the 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 mental health care field we do was yeah it was somewhat limited. We didn't really have the best you know diagnosis diagnostic tools and stuff like that back then. So a, a number of these gentlemen were most likely on the autism spectrum. Right or you know, it's kind of tough to say because they didn't I, have I would those say diagnoses. A lot at the time. Would, most would be considered high functioning. Absolutely right. So right away we've got Ted Ware, uh, age thirty two at the time. Uh, his parents kind of described him as a boy trapped in a man's body, and when they said like he was a big dude, he was six foot two hundred pounds. Uh, we got Bill Sterling, age twenty nine, kind of the same situation, a mind like a child. Uh, was super spiritual. He would go to the psychiatric hospitals and read uh, scripture to them, that type of stuff. We've got Jack Doc Madruga, age 30. Uh, never officially had a diagnosis, right? But his family kind of described him as being known for being slow. Uh, and he was an army veteran. We've got Jackie Hewitt, 24, uh, kind of known as probably the slowest of the group, suffered probably the, the the largest cognitive impairment out of everybody. Um, they say he kind of had issues with, like, with dysphagia. He couldn't properly pronounce words. Couldn't um, dial a had, phone. Like, couldn't dial a phone. He had a mat, like he had a debilitating speech impediment as well. And then we had Gary Mathias, who was mm. age 25 at the time, newest member of the group. Now, Gary didn't necessarily have a cognitive impairment, but he did have a diagnosis of, of paranoid schizophrenia, which... They kind of, it's not for sure, but he, when he was a child, he was involved in a, in a motor vehicle incident where he fell out of a moving car, hit his head, lost his vision oh, for like fuck. six days. Yeah, some damage to his occipital lobe. And they think that maybe that kind of stems from where these issues came from. 
Um, but yeah, so he, he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. So nothing really on the cognitive spectrum, but like everybody knows, paranoid schizophrenia, delusions, hallucinations. He seemed off. And he, he had got, like they had got it under control. Like the, from all accounts uh, between his parents and the doctors, he was, he was like a, the poster child for like their treatment because he had been doing so well. Um, for the last for two years, he had been on a years. really good regimen of, he had, he was on proloxanin and cognitin and something else, another one I can't remember, but most of these drugs are now uh, discontinued, but. But he was leveled out from his yeah. schizo- schizophrenic nature, more or less. Supposedly, yeah. Hmm. Okay, okay. So that's them. But what happened leading up to the events of that night? Yeah, so they were all members of of a basketball team called the Gateway Gators. Great name. So, yeah, unreal name, right? So they were all kind of grouped together. I think Gary was the last person to join the group. Uh, one of his substance abuse counselors was kind of pushed him in the general vicinity of the team being like, hey, you know, I know this great group of guys playing a basketball team. They could use another member. It would be good for you because you used to be an athlete. I know Gary used to play football and basketball and stuff like that too. And he was kind of looking for something to do. So this counselor matched them up together and they got along swimmingly. And, uh, you know, we're playing on this basketball team together. And I, the night before their big game where they're playing in the special, it was a kind of like a special Olympics tournament that they were playing in. They all decided to go watch their favorite basketball team playing in Chico. Like a college team? Yeah, Chico. I think it's, I might be wrong. Is it a junior college, Chico? Or maybe it's just... I just, I, I from like all accounts, college basketball. Like that's... Yeah, California and, State University. Oh, so not not junior college. Yuba to yeah, they drove from Yuba Yuba to Chico. Yeah, California State. So they're they're attending a college game. They all love basketball, so they go and attend. You know, this college ball is almost pro, so they're watching a good ball game, getting them getting them psyched for their game the next day. Well, yeah, ball like, is life. And ball some of life. them had like you know told their parents like, "Hey, don't let me sleep in." They laid out all their basketball stuff. Like, hey, make sure to wake me up in the morning. I, I want to, you know, get up for this game and I that I'm excited for. Um, when they were leaving the house, like, you know, some parents, some of their parents had mentioned of like, hey, bring a jacket. They're like, I won't I won't need one. It's all good. Like, don't worry about me. It's all good. Like, so they head to Yuba, which is 50 miles away from Chico. Or head to Chico. Oh, from other Yuba. Way, yeah, yeah, head yeah, to Chico from Yuba. So they watch the game. The game ends. They stop. Pretty much they're stopping at a place called Bears Market. They're stopping for snacks, refreshments. And the accounts differ from what candy they get, but pretty much are like cherry pies, lemon pies, Snickers, marathons, Pepsis. It sounds, it sounds like shit stuff. you grab for a road trip, man. Yeah, like, you, like you have stuff you would grab like any of us would grab if we were driving 50 miles. It's a, Yeah, it's a one-hour drive back home. You get your snacks. You roll with the boys. Off you go. Boys are fired up, man. They're team one. They're having a good time. Yeah. Went on a roadie, right? So they're on their way home. What happened? Like they obviously- That's the last time anyone ever sees them is what happens. Other than Mr. Shones, apparently. Mr. Shones. But I mean, through the investigation, the police do, do go back to this, to this market and the lady who's running it, it's like closing time. And she remembers this group of five specifically because- you know, they pull the classic, oh, they're still open, it's 9.59, you go in, 
<laughs> you go in, you cause a ruckus, you buy a bunch of stuff. It's a mild. I always feel like an asshole when I do. It's that. It's a mild inconvenience to the store clerk, but yeah, they're still open technically. So, but she'll through the investigation, she does say she remembers this five, and she's the last confirmed member until he comes forward later. Until uh, Mister Shones comes forward during the investigation and says he's seen the car. They obviously none of them show show up. They none of them make it home, which is absolutely out of character for them. Completely, very right? like out this of, yeah. never happens, right? So all these like their parents have basically stayed up throughout the night because they're so worried about these kids. Because you know, even though they're adults, right? We go back to the fact that they, you know, they're all suffering from various levels of cognitive impairment, and you know, their parents play a pretty big role in their life still, right? Looking after them. You know, they all still live with their parents, even though they're, you know, in their mid mid to late twenties. Um, so, you know, the 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 stress level's high at this point in time because all five have not been heard of, right? And all these parents know each other. Most of these kids have known each other since you know they were little kids growing up. Mm-hmm. So all the parents have kind of called each other, being like, "Hey, you know, have you seen Jack? Yeah, you heard from him. Yeah." And they've all kind of been like, "No, we're we're waiting up. We're a little bit stressed out." They go to the police and they're, they want to file a missing, missing persons report. The police almost seem hesitant at the start because there's five guys and they would like norm, not only normally do it for a group of five. Well, absolutely. Like, think about that. When, when have you seen a When have you heard of a circumstance like this with that large of a group of people just going missing? Just gone. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no one knows where they went or why they went. So initially they're hesitant, but obviously eventually on the 28th, they, we're missing for three days, so they send out a, a search party, and that's when a ranger finds. Yeah, uh, they're alerting other law enforcement agencies yeah. in the area of like, hey, be on the lookout for you know this car of these men, um, yada yada. They're missing any information, and a forest ranger goes, "I've seen that car." Yeah, I saw it a few days ago. For fuck's sakes! Yeah, oh. which is see, that's the worst part though too, because the car is parked pristinely, which is you know it's got some snow covering it. And it, you know, it didn't draw any concerns because it's parked in an area where you would see cars parked randomly, right? Yeah, it's like a national park. There's like a like a camp. They call it Rogers Cow Camp, pretty much. And there's what what they call elk retreat or yes, elk retreat. So yeah, it's it's a national park. There's a bunch of like there's camping and hiking and winter activities up there, and that's where Mister Shones got stuck and had the had the jammer and he walked himself out and eventually. He's okay. The ranger notifies the police that, yeah, I've seen this car. And that's when the mystery starts to really take shape. Yeah, because police go to this car and one of the first things they look at is they notice that it's not that stuck. Like they look and they're like, well, the snow drifted in, you know, like it's not that stuck. They they open the car, uh, you know, all the snacks are eaten and, you know, are littered around. Um, there's no keys in it. I think a window was down. The front window was down. Yeah. yeah the driver's side window, driver's side window. And so they're like, okay, well, you know, maybe the car died and they, they, they couldn't get it started again. So they hotwire the car, car fires right up. They had a quarter Instantly. tank of gas. So they're like, well, that's weird. Uh, they noticed that the car had spun out a little bit, but they're like, Hey, like one guy go out front and just push us out. One guy just pushes them out easily. One guy, let alone five. Right. Yeah. One, right. One, like you've got you've got four capable dudes, and one of them, you know, able to drive. Like that's yeah. It seems weird. 
And through the investigation, they inspected. I mean, I guess this is a this is a dirt gravel road, potholes, rocks. It's a it's a forest service road. Forest service road. Yeah. So you're you're driving a already low riding car, fully loaded with five adult men. Let's say so. You know, they're probably not all two hundred pounds. Let's say let's say eight hundred pounds of weight. So you know you you know your your car's weighed down. Any bump is going to send the shocks. You know, so you would think there'd be a little maybe a little more damage to the undercarriage. Through the investigation, they say. I mean, it looks, it looks fine. Doesn't, Pristine. doesn't look like it was banged up this FSR and then got One stuck the in the ditch. that I read is they're like, it looks like someone either drove that road very carefully because like they weren't even throwing like slush and shit back up under the undercarriage or someone who knew the road because if they were just driving to drive, they'd be smacking potholes and, and you know, hitting bumps and, uh, you know, if anyone's driven a forest service road, you hit one of those, like where a grader's kind of like graded up and it's like, you feel like you're going to bounce right off the fucking road if you're going too fast. Absolutely. Like, none of that, right? Like this thing looks like it was babied to where it lay. Which is interesting because only two of the boys had their driver's license, Jack Madruga and Gary Mathias. And now Jack, this was Jack Madruga's vehicle. And by all accounts from his parents, family, everybody, this car was his life. He fucking loved, loved it. He was meticulous about taking care of it. And just so much to the point where, so Jack and, uh, and Jackie, Jack and Jackie Hewitt were best friends. And I guess, you know, Jack would go pick up Jackie all the time. They do things together. And a lot of the times Jack would pick up Jackie, they'd hang out at his house and then it would be time to drive him home. And the weather got bad and Jack refused to drive him home because he didn't want to fucking damage his car said, yeah, no, it's bad. You got to, like, mom and dad, you got to drive him home or it's, his parents got to come get him. I can't risk it. He was it's not safe. obsessed with his vehicle. Loved it. So, yeah, you're driving up an FSR. It's snowing. Like, the night that night it was snowing. So if there was potholes or anything, now they are, they're also covered in snow, so it makes it even harder to judge. So, yeah, it makes sense. Like, you either have to know that road or you babied it up. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one just to get loosely, well, this- loosely stuck and then it seems it's abandoned. And this, this is like, it's it's so far in the wrong direction too. Let alone, like this Not thing only, is, it's at an elevation of what, like five thousand? Yeah, like like. Yeah. like like not only would they have had to make a wrong turn on a road they knew where to drive because they've driven it before because that's where their favorite team plays, they would have had to make a wrong turn, then head up a fucking mountain. And then make another turn onto a forest service road and continue babying down that road to the point where it was like, what was it? They're two hours in the wrong direction? At least, I think. It was like two and two hours, two or three. But like that's, that, before we even get into it, like that to me seems like absolutely deliberate. Like you just, that's not a mistake you would make, especially if you end up going to an elevation like that. You would... Well, yeah. Like I said, two of these men had their driver's license. Two of them were in the army. You know, three of them had actual jobs. Like, you know, we, they get painted with the, you know, the brush of like, you know, these people had intellectual disabilities, but even if that's the case, I work with a lot of special Olympians. And the one thing I can tell you about them is like routine, right? Like they have a routine and they stick to it and they know it. So if, if Madriga was driving home, I, people are like, well, maybe he made a wrong turn. I'm like, no, he wouldn't have. If he, if he's this creature of habit, he's not making that wrong turn. He would know it because he's probably been driven it with his parents before. And now this is ingrained in him. I take this route home. Well, it's also, sorry. I was just going to say that also like, so say you did 
it was snowy, it was foggy or whatever. You took the wrong turn. It was a paved road and there's a time when it turns to a gravel forest service road. And you think once you hit that and you go up a you little, know. you go up a little bit and you're like, uh, this is definitely the wrong road. Why not turn around? Just to touch on Braden's point about the creatures of habit. Um, <laughs> Tim Ware is such a creature of habit that there was a house fire in his home and his parents were trying to drag him out of his bed to get out of the house. And he was refusing to leave his bed because he had to get some sleep before work tomorrow. <sighs> He's like, I can't leave. I have to get sleep for my job tomorrow. I don't want to be late. And they're like, listen, man, your fucking house is on fire. It's burning like, down. <laughs> right? Like that just speaks to the fact like these guys, like this is their favorite team, right? This is, this is what these boys do. There's not a hell of a lot to do in 1978 on the weekend for these guys. They follow their favorite basketball team around. This is not the first time they went and watched them play in Chico. They know those roads. Right. So yeah, they drive to Chico. They're supposed to drive or turn around, drive home. They got their snacks. They seem to drive the wrong way. Now they're, the car is found two and a half hours away from their house up a forest road in a national park at elevation. Snow. Full of gas, not stuck in the snow. Well, not yeah, not full of gas, but not it wasn't empty. It didn't run out of gas. Yeah. Right, enough gas to get home. Exactly, they could have easily at least got. They they had to have been able to turn around and got get back. And if they did get stuck that bad, which they didn't, what happened to them? That's like, that's the, that's the next mystery. Like they got stuck. The ranger finds the car. He calls it in. They're like, this is yeah. super strange. They're two and a half hours away. Not even remotely close to where they're supposed to go. So, yeah, so, so search and rescue, like gave, you know, did their best efforts for a couple of days. Uh, but you know, their search was impeded because there was a whole bunch of snowstorms that kind of impacted the area. So it was blowing, you know, new snow drifts in. Uh, it was just too dangerous for them to continue the search. Uh, but all in all, like search and rescue police and volunteers, uh, I think it was like 6,000 hours were logged searching for these men. And that turned up nothing. Yeah, that like a lot of manpower over those five days. But yeah, compounding snow, like snow blizzards, like day after day. So you get four or five inches for it. It adds up real quick. Like it's, you lose, if there is, was a trail, say, it's gone. Like it's completely gone. gone. So yeah, they, they, they give up. Unfortunately, there's nothing really more they can do. And they pretty much have to pick it back up when the snow melts. And that, right, it's, it's wild. Like five guys go missing seemingly on a routine trip for them. Five days of searching, nothing can be found. It makes you wonder, like, why get out of the car? Like, you know, you have John down the road who's sitting in a warm car. If you thought you were stuck, just turn on the heater and chill. Like what would get them out of the car and then to wherever they went? Yeah, for whatever reason, they got kind of stuck or they thought they were stuck and they must have exited the vehicle or some theories say maybe forced from the vehicle in some fashion. But before we continue with the case, we're going to grab a quick beer. So the most of the trails and stuff are all inaccessible for months uh, after the initial blizzard that they have. Uh, they're unable to find any of the bodies of the what you know have been labeled the Yuba County Five at this point. So June 1978 rolls around, and you have a man riding his motorcycle near an area 
where he noticed a broken winter on a broken window on a forest service trailer, like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So kind of a, a trailer that was used by like forest service agents to kind of, uh, you know, hole up when they had to things like this kind of stocked, you know, during the year and yeah, stuff pro- like this, or like watching for wildfires or right. whatever, like, yeah, whatever conservation or forest duties, that would be their home base. Yeah. So from the place that where they had discovered the car, this trailer was about 19 miles up the mountain. Now, a, possibly there is this idea that a for, the forest service snowcat had ran up the road to that trailer on February 23rd uh prior to the uh the Yuba County 5 going missing and had left a actually packed path of snow that perhaps had contributed to something along later so inside the trailer is where they find the body of Ted Wire yeah they open this door and they're like there's someone dead in here. The stench is real. Yeah. Oh man, it's especially because how long? How how long ago was this? Like how how long have they been missing now? It's like four Since, four months. It's February so February to June. We're talking like end stages of decomp, and unfortunately, being someone who's had the unfortunate privilege of walking in and seeing people in similar situations, it is a smell that goes right up into your nostrils and right into the base of your gut. And instantly induces a nausea and a smell that you cannot get out of you. Like it just, it's in your nose for days after. Like it is the most instant rancid smell on the fucking planet. Just latches to your sense, like smell receptors and doesn't go away. And and you just can't describe it. Like it just goes right into the pit of your stomach and turns you fucking green. So the day after they find Ware's body, the searchers managed to find the remains of Madruga and Sterling about 11.4 miles from the car on opposite sides of the road approaching to the trailer. Um, And then two days later, just off the same road, uh, but much closer to the trailer, they found Jackie Hewitt's uh, remains. Uh, All that was identified later to be the... All that remained of him was his backbone and a pair of Levi's and ripple sole get their shoes were used to identify him. The police asked that the dad not attend because they were now finding bodies. And it's actually Jackie's dad who sees the jacket, goes and grabs the jacket. And as he lifts the jacket, the back, the spine comes out of the jacket. It's fucking horrifying. And later his skull is found, you know, near that same area. So we have one body found in the trailer, which is about 19 miles from the the car, the abandoned car. Two bodies that are 11.4 miles from the car. So like almost half, like right in the middle between the car and the trailer. And then not far off from that, the other body. So we have four found bodies. We should probably touch on Ted Weir's body a little bit more. The, the The one that they'd found in the lodge. Yeah, so yeah, let's go, let's go back to Ted. Well, Weir. let's get in. It's like there's this is why it's so mysterious. Yep, hundred percent. So they find his body in the tr- in the trailer. What's so weird about it? Well, first of all, his body's wrapped up in these heavy blankets, right? And right away they notice like he's he's got a large beard, and he's incredibly emaciated, which. I find that super interesting because we've already talked about he's in advanced stages of decomposition. So it'd be really hard. Like anybody would be emaciated 
in that stage of decomposition. But anyway, so they they surmise that there must have been some type of starvation going on. Um, they pulled off the blankets. They realized that he had these just awfully gangrenous toes that were missing. Um, it's like frostbite. <clears throat> potentially, yeah, that's what would make sense. And then they just, it seemed very confusing though, because we've talked about like, this is, this was a lodge that was utilized by the forestry services, right? People, the, the workers, yep. this, this lodge was stocked to the nines with military rationed food, canned food, canned food all over the place. Not only did it have canned food, but it had propane heaters, right? That were there. They just needed to be turned on. It had a fireplace that was untouched. And the only evidence that they could find that there was a few rations that were that were broken into, um, and there were a few candles that had evidence of being used. And then, other than that, they found some personal belongings. But one really weird thing that's that kind of stood out is the fact that there was a gold watch there that none of the parents knew where it came from. It's definitely it was definitely not one of the kids' watches. They said that if all five men had made it to that cabin and had you like utilized the supplies in the cabin, there was enough supplies to keep those men alive for an entire year. 31 cans of food were eaten. And like Andrew said, some candles. And that's the weird thing is that because of the beard growth and how skinny that Ted had gotten, they actually believe that he may have been alive for up to 13 weeks before he died of starvation. Between 8 and 13 weeks, they think, just judging by the growth and how much weight he had lost. Because he was about 200 pounds, they said, when that's like that's a standard walking around weight. And when he, they picked him up, he, they estimated him at like, it would have been like 120 pounds when he died. And there's one more thing about the trailer too is, there was one broken window, which they think maybe they had broken the window to get into the trailer initially, but no attempt was made to like board up that window or you know stack stuff against it to keep the cold out. It's like they broke what they broke in, and they never they never try to keep themselves warm. Really, <laughs> besides the blankets on the bed, that's like the only thing that was in there to keep them warm. And and one interesting thing too is it it kind of proves now that like the one thing that a lot of people. I kind of speculate is that there's no way Ted was in this cottage alone because with the state of his gangrenous feet and his injuries, there's no way he would have tolerated heavy blankets being put over top of his feet. Like it would have been the most incredibly painful thing in the world. So they think that possibly one of the other people, and obviously we only have one body that's not accounted for it right now. And Gary Mathias made it to that cabin with him and potentially took care of him while they're in the cabin together. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it kind of, it makes sense either or, or he died. So, uh, yeah. Or someone found him when he was dead and then wrapped him in blankets possibly. Yeah. And like, they also found a pair of Gary's shoes, his, his running shoes. Yeah. In Gary's shoes were there and Ted's were missing. And Ted, by all accounts, uh, when he left that night would have been wearing like some heavier duty leather shoes. Probably would have uh, held up a little bit better in the snow. In the snow. So now um, you start to think like, okay, well, right away in my head, I'm like, okay, well, this is getting weird. But the first part I can't get over is I'm like, it's 19 miles. That's 32 kilometers away. So in winter, the, the, uh, the author that I was reading this Drew Beeson guy, he said like he went through, went, he went uh, over all the evidence again and he actually went to the site 
um, and measured the distance himself, like walked walk the distance supposedly. And apparently, according to him, it's 11 miles, not 19 miles. Well, it's that, 11 miles to where, then, is that to the cabin or where the remains were found? Because the remains the, were found at 11 miles. To the cabin. It says right here, I can send it in the group if you want. It says 11 miles from the car to the cabin and 5.6 miles as the crow flies, which basically means like in a yeah. straight line. Okay. So, how, so, so if you followed that path, that's still a it, long in the middle of winter with no well, how, winter gear on and runners like fucking. Well, then what does he say? The other two bodies were found because they it says eleven point four for those bodies in the everything I read, and then the cabin nineteen. So was did they convert to kilometers, and then someone just did not judge it, convert it back to miles? Maybe he attributes attributes it to uh, the police making a mistake. It's still 18 kilometers to the cabin. It's, yeah, it's a hell of a walk. Freezing temperatures, snowing. That's like, so if your, I mean, it, your car gets definitely stuck. Enough, definitely enough to give you some frostbite on your toes, I'd imagine. Oh, for sure. But then if they say they all, so they got, they got stuck for whatever reason. Let's, theory one, they got stuck. They got lost. They got stuck. For whatever reason, they <laughs> left the car why did only two make it? Did, so, did two it, freeze to death and they just left them and just kept walking? If, if they got stuck, why the fuck would they walk uphill? Why would they keep going up a mountain? Well, with nothing weird happens. This makes sense let's, to me. Let's, let's just, let, let's play it out like nothing weird happens. They crash their car, okay? They, they, they crash their car into the ditch. Um, they don't even, they get out. They're eating their snacks. They roll down the window. Ted's looking, he spins the tires. They all get out and they go, well, we're stuck. Let's walk into the woods because they've not, none of them have any history. One of them had, had been up in that area once fishing years ago and had never gone and back. Hated hated and, and hated it. And hated it. He hated Jack so, Madruga. So Jack goes, hey, you know what? Like I, I came fishing up here 10 years ago. Let's just walk in this direction in the middle of a snowstorm. They proceed to then walk 18 kilometers, which would take, you know, what's a, probably three and a half hours if you're in good conditions. So you're, you know, add longer than that. Into, yeah. There's, there's like four foot snow drifts in some sections, right? So you're, you're adding a lot of time to this. Um, they, they walk up, they are now completely lost. Um, two guys have gotten tired and probably laid down because of hypothermia. Um, yeah, and the not, other three, they're not dressed. We, we, we go back to that. They didn't take, they didn't take jackets. They didn't have snow boots. They didn't have gloves. Nothing, nothing, nothing for the elements. They then make it to it. They're like, oh, thank God we found a random cabin. All right, there it is. Perfect. Uh, they smack a window open. They open the doors. Um, the one guy that had the best shoes has the worst frostbite because um, they say he lost five, you know, by his body. Ted lost five toes to frostbite. They lay down. They're like, well, forget the, you know, we don't want to eat too many rations. Um, they pop it open. Everyone else seemingly leaves the cabin and dies or never sees from again. And Ted lays there to die a slow death without ever trying to without utilizing any of the heat, or, any of the heat or anything, which is interesting to me because it, it's almost like they don't want to be found. Right. It's almost like they're hiding from something. Right. That's one of the things that I thought I was like, why if you're, they're lighting candles, there's matches in this trailer and they're lighting candles, right? They're looking at these things. They're lighting them to keep, light and whatever but i'm like everyone says like hey these guys are special needs and they had learning disabilities and they wouldn't have known to light a fire i'm like 
Two of them had military training. And one of them, we know, made it to that trailer because he left his shoes. They would have seen that if they were using matches to light the candles, they would have seen the fireplace and gone, hey. Listen, we don't know for sure. Like maybe maybe Jack fucking grabbed his shoes. He's like, these shoes suck. I got frostbite. Maybe these shoes will be better. We don't know if he was there for sure. But we can we can assume that he was there. Like it's a guess. But they're not lighting. They're not lighting the fireplace, right? They're they're looking at it and they're going, nah. Not even boarding wood. up the window. Yeah, there's wood. There's. there's they, wood, the weirdest thing paper. for me is the blankets. The the blankets is what tell me somebody else was in that fucking that that cabin with them. Like bundled up because yeah, if if his feet were in that bad a condition. You wouldn't yeah. let anything touch your feet. You'd be fucking, that'd be the most, you'd be in the most agony, agony you've ever been in your life. Yeah, dude, it's so strange. So that, all strangeness aside, they just randomly do this. They walk all, all the way. One guy, but he's now, one, one of them is surviving in the cabin. Like he, yes. he, he's, grown, he's grown a beard. He's starved to death. He's starved. He's lost 80 pounds of body mass. It's weird. I just don't like. It's interesting to be able to how they can come to that when his in his level of fucking decomposition. It's interesting to me. I'd love to know how we can he how he can he come eats to that a single, There's 31 rations, so he would eat a single ration every uh, 2.9 days until his demise. J- judging by the growth of his beard and the 31 cans of eaten. Yeah, it's super ration. strange. Yeah, you're, maybe that's where the toes went. Just cooked him up. Yeah, some nugs. Toe nugs. Yeah, buddy. Okay, so this it's this it's a fucking strangest mystery. So let's go back to the car. Something must have happened at the car to drive these guys up the hill. Dan says some reports do say maybe a snowcat worked. Because this isn't this is the, I'm pretty sure it's like cross-country ski trails and stuff. So they would have a snowcat. So if it they did plow I guess it w- if it wouldn't have been the road, if it was like actual like a cat path, they just decided that they're just going to follow it uphill for some you, reason. For why that wouldn't far. you walk back down the path, the the road you came down? Like you don't, none of them know this area, so it's like you're gonna, you're like, hey, there looks like a path. Let's walk it in the dark. Yeah. So what happened around the car? Like, they, one rin- windows rolled down. They had gas. They had eaten their snacks, more or less. It seems like. Something it's interesting. It's the strangest thing, man. I mean, what would you, okay, it's cold out. It, it's freezing out. What would you roll your window down a bit to do? Probably to talk to somebody. Yep. I would say. That's what my brain goes to. See, my brain went to, um, someone was looking out the window while in reverse, looking at the tires spinning. Ah, that, that may be. Right? That's kind of what I thought. Looking back, like leaning way out while you have it in reverse. To see your tire spinning, you go, we're stuck, bud. Like, yeah, that's good, actually. I never thought of that, too. I don't think it was all the way down, though. It was just like, I, from what I read, it was like down like a crack, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, did, it seemed weird, too, because he was so particular about his car. It, his parents seemed, thought it would weird, is weird that he would just leave his window down. Like, he was so particular about his vehicle. It just seems like it, it's weird that for whatever reason, he rolled the window down and they got out of the car and forgot about the window. Something got them out. For whatever reason, they had to get out and they all left the car. Four bodies were found. One remains were never found. Yeah, and it was weird too, because like as we talked about, they they said that it looked like Ted Ted Ware somewhat like starved himself 
basically. And but uh, I guess the the cor- the coroner came to the conclusion that he died from pulmonary congestion. What's that? Like pneumonia, a f- fluid in your lungs. Yeah, it it can very well lead to a pneumonia, but it basically it could have been it, it could lead to a few different things, but most likely it would have probably would have led to heart failure. And that could have been due to the extreme conditions, but that's what led to his death. And then I like we know like when you're on your deathbed and you're slowly dying, you're not eating. You, there's, there's no will to live. There's people that go fucking a week without eating or drinking. Yeah, they'll right. eat the when, wood off the wall. Right? Huh? Eat people eat like people eat whatever they can. Like they won't starve. They'll eat whatever. No, no, no. I mean, you will. Like if you're dying, if you're slowly dying, you won't eat anything. Yeah, but that that would that like, would, that would have to mean that he got sick first. Like he was sick and then he stopped eating. Like absolutely, and that's what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes sense to me. That's what led to his death. His death. He didn't die from starvation. He died from the pulmonary congestion. Oh, so maybe he through the long trek. He he had hypothermia. He had this condition. He did find the food. He ate a bit, but succumbed, like slowly stopped eating, wasted away, and died to this condition. I mean, you probably you're you're sitting there and you've got this guy with you, and the guy's probably trying to feed him, right? Because he knows he's sick and he knows he's not doing well. He's trying to help him eat, and then the, he just slowly loses your will to eat. You can go to like hospice houses and stuff like that with these people with terminal illnesses that are, you know. The end is near, and they'll they'll stop eating for days. They're preparing for it. like you know your body's failing. You're in a parasympathetic overdrive. You're not. There is no will to eat or live or anything like that. Right. Okay. So now I want to bring it back. So we started off with Joseph Shones, and he gets stuck, and he's waiting there for hours, and he sees headlights. And I didn't come across this vibe before. Maybe they were truck headlights. They weren't. Oof. Before before we get into these truck headlights, can we just touch on Shones a little bit? Oh, it's good. We can do a little little bit on Shones. It's just a little bit. Is it just not a weird thing? like he just decides to randomly drive up this hill to check a snowpack? He's like, hey, I was I was gonna check the snowpack by my cabin. Hey, don't worry about it. it yeah, what cabin? First of all, please. no record of him having a cabin up there. There wasn't. All right. No. And then one of the most bizarre things that I learned too is the fact that the year of Volkswagen bug he had. The only way the heater works is while you're driving. Interesting. Right? So as he sits there in his car, his heater's not working. Yeah, because when, when I came across that, I was like, okay, I could see if you're trying to take your family up there, you think you would go and check it out, but you wouldn't go at, I mean, this. we're at 10 p.m. or later now, at least. The game ended at 10. He's stuck out there for six hours. He's there all night. So he didn't go... I guess maybe if he works like a weird shift, he's like, just, oh, I'm just going to rip up there real quick after work before I head home to make sure it's good for my, take my family there. Cause he's, there is reports of him, him just saying excursions. Like he wants to take his family up there for whatever, the winter picnic or whatever. Think about that though. Like just a random jaunt up a fucking snowy hill on my, my Volkswagen bug, which has got to be awesome in the snow. I'm going to go check it out and see how it goes. All ass tires. Right? Like it's just that, that it, it's so peculiar. And then, in all accounts as well, like you look into it, apparently Joseph Shans is a fucking career bullshit artist. Really? Yeah. All the local people say he's full of shit. He'd, he'd tell a story just like he lied about being in the military, stolen valor, all that type of stuff. Um, apparently, him and his wife didn't get along at all. So the fact that he'd be going on a vacation with his wife made no sense. And another interesting thing too is he had a daughter that was a little bit younger than the boys that also suffered from a certain level of cognitive impairment and hung out in the same circles as all these guys. 
Oh, so perhaps Shones, after upon hearing the news of these missing people, made a story up. Potentially. Is, what, is that kind of what, but, what the author says? Like, it's bizarre. They haven't found the bodies yet. And I, they, like, it, it, it would be super weird that if he knew that the car was there, but it's confirmed it's just though weird. he had a heart attack. Like no, it's confirmed that, that it's confirmed that he had angina. Yeah. Which he had prior to this. Was and angina is this like a like an anxiety thing? Like a tight get a tight no, chest? It, it, basically you're getting like it, for him, it sounds like he has a stable angina, which means he's getting pain when he exerts himself, right? So that's why you'd be getting prescribed like a nitro spray. While you're trying to push yourself like out that, of a, a right, which would make perfect fucking sense in this situation. If you are prone to angina, right? is your risk of a heart attack greater? Absolutely. Like the whole reason you have angina is because you have reduced blood flow to your heart. So then what's so your theory of wh why do you think he's up there then? It's a fucking great question, Braden. I know that he has been <laughs> That kind of sounds like the kind of guy that would go up there, a guy who has a stable angina, like has a, a pro like a heart problems or stuff like that. Like that sounds like the kind of person who would drive a bug up in the middle of winter to try and check out a place for their family to go. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So it just doesn't make sense. No, I mean, it does make sense. That's what I'm saying. That's he's like, like it he's does just make sense that he seems the like the up. kind of person that, hey, I'm going to drive up bullshit. in the middle of winter to go check this out. If I get stuck, I'm going to have a fucking heart attack. Like, that seems like the kind of person. So he wants to that. die, is what you're saying? I'm saying that's the kind of person who doesn't think that stuff through. It's like, I have a, you know, maybe I have a weight problem. I have heart problems. I'm going to drive up here and check a place for my family. By or, myself. Or whatever. That was his kind of reasoning for being up there. Or his like, wife was like, yeah, I'll go up there. But like, it'd be nice if we knew the snowpack. And he's like, God damn it. I'm fine. I'm going. Like just high stress the whole time. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Up there. It just doesn't, it's just a bizarre situation for me. I don't. It's super bizarre. He, but let's, let's just go with the story a little bit. Cause he does say he. He sees six people, but he also admittedly says he was in, you know, he was very stressed. Perhaps he hallucinated or whatever, but he sp specifically says like six piece people, one holding a baby. And when he called out to them, the headlights turned off, the voices went quiet and they seemed to like walk away. I, I will like <laughs> there. I have maybe encountered a few times where people are having like a massive MI, usually like a left-sided heart attack they will have some type of like delusions and stuff like that. But there's no way this guy had a fucking significant cardiac event. If he got up out of his car a few hours later and hiked down a fucking mountain. Well, and it seems there's no way it seemed like he got out of his car to like call out to them too. Like he wasn't in that bad a condition. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's well, the interesting thing about him saying a truck is that we have what this is kind of throws a wrench in this for me. We have another witness the next day, the following day after the vehicles, you know, the night it's stuck around the time these guys should now be at their basketball game. Uh, a lady at a gas station says a red truck pulls up with these five men. And she says, one comes in, he's kind of acting weird. And she says that Jack Hewitt goes to the payphone and calls someone. And the other men wait in the truck. Uh, they kind of look around Jack Hewitt is on the phone. She just, you know, doesn't think much of it until she sees the missing persons report and then calls it in. Her boss corroborates the story and says, yeah, like I kind of remember seeing them too, says the same thing. They see the five, but not getting out of a car, out of a truck, they see him. Out of a truck. Now, Wild. the other weird thing is, if you remember, is that Jack Hewitt is the, is the has the most cognitive dis, uh, like disabilities he can't dial a phone. 
His parents said that he, can't be him because he would never talk on a phone. He hates phones. He hates phones. And they're like, seemingly like, yeah, like, no, 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 no. That was the one on the phone. And they're pointing at him. So this puts him at back down the hill the next day, which would make mean they then turn around and then head back up in that direction later that day. Right. And this, this idea that there might be a woman with them who has a baby, like whose red truck is that? It, it's, we do get another encounter with this red truck too, which is super bizarre. I, you remember the bear market where they stopped to get their treats from mm-hmm. before yeah. they left. So there was a story that surfaced now, it's actually surfaced quite a bit later, so it's kind of hard to, you know, you want to buy a new because it's interesting, but this came out in this guy's book, and one of the family members, I think was Tammy, uh, she was related to Gary Mathias, I think it was her sister or something like that, but she says that the store owner of the, the bear market, they refer to it as the bear market brawl, the store uh, owner informed the lead investigator that a group of men approached Jackie Hewitt in the parking lot and started taunting him. Matthias attempted to defend Jackie and a fight broke out. The boys then attempted to flee the scene and they were chased off by a red pickup truck. Oh, shit. And that was the night of the basketball game they went and watched. So we have two two accounts of this red truck on separate days. Mm-hmm. One after... So the one the night of the basketball game won the previous night, which would have meant they came back down with the truck. But it, yeah, the phone call though. So so say say this is a thing. They so they meet. So what what is, what's the story here then? <clears throat> the red truck abducts the five boys, like who, whoever is in the red truck. Well, there is a little bit of it. Like there there is one theory that possibly they had taken a bit of a detour on the way home to go visit some of Gary's friends in Forbestown. I'd heard that one, yeah. Right? So apparently Gary had had some close friends in Forbestown, and a lot of people thought potentially that the person that had that red truck was one of the friends from Forbestown. And Forbestown is the opposite way from driving back to Yuba? Yeah, and it's quite a bit closer to Chico. Yeah, but it's, it's also not down a forest service road. No, it's not. So Kathy Madruga, she took it amongst herself to go track down these friends of Gary's because this was pretty. This was a pretty predominant theory at the time. So prior to moving to Yuba, Gary was known to hang out with a bunch of people in Forbes Town. Uh, Forbes Town was once like a prominent mining town, but it's kind of now turned into like a ghost town. Um, known for its remoteness and criminal activity. So Kathy went to go visit her Gary's friends in Forbestown and, and states on the way up to the house, they drove past a tripwire stretched across the road. She said there were men hidden in the forest with rifles. Uh, she made her way to the front door and nobody answered. All she could hear was a baby crying behind the door. Oh, fuck. After giving up, she noticed that there was a large shed in the back of the house that looked extremely suspicious. So she decided to go take a look for herself. And when she walked up to this fucking shed, she noticed that it was like, it was a pretty, you know, rundown shed, but it had crazy padlocks on it. It had a big giant bar in front of it. Like it was locked down like Fort Knox. And she thought it was super bizarre. So she started. <laughs> I think Fort Knox is, might be a little better. I hope it's a little better than that. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, yeah, it's got yeah. fucking... Where is so Fort Knox? Thing, 
I always Tennessee. I always hear Fort Knox, but I don't really know anything about fucking Fort Knox. Pretty sure it's Tennessee or Kentucky. So it's like an old like 1700s fort. Is that what Fort Knox is? What? What's Fort Knox? Fort Knox is like the United States gold depository. Uh, like. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I thought <laughs> it was like 18 padlocks in a mess. Yeah. In, yeah. in my mind, for some reason, I was thinking, uh, do you know ever know you know Fort Langley? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, exactly what it is. It's just like a wooden fort with some maybe some brick yeah. buildings. That's right. In my mind, I thought that's what yeah, Fort it's Knox in, was. In Kentucky, yeah. <clears throat> All right. I so, was mistaken. That's my bet. Anyways, she starts fucking wrenching on Cold this door Bruce. that's almost as secure as Fort Knox. Um, and as soon as she starts doing that, the door flies open and a few guys run out holding guns and basically tell her it's time to get the fuck off our property. And she looks at them and she says, where's Gary, where's Gary Mathias? I know you have Gary Mathias. And they're like, we don't know who that is. And then another guy said, I haven't spoken to Gary Mathias in two years. And they basically run her off the property. So she goes to the police and reports this to the police. And she's like, this is super suspicious. I guarantee you they have Gary. He's in a fucking, he's in a shed there. It's super suspicious. And the police supposedly go up there on horseback and check the place out, which Kathy horseback? says, is abs- yeah, that's what they said. And Kathy says that's impossible because the place was covered in fucking booby traps and shit. No horses could get around there, which I find kind of, yeah, but still pretty bizarre. How good is she spotting booby traps? Yeah, I was going to well, ask. That's what I mean. Well, she was talking about tripwires and shit and guys yeah. hanging in the forest. She fucking, what's that movie with the lasers with Sean Connery where they're fucking. Oh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, she's Catherine Zeta Jones. Entrapment. Kathy Matthias is in a fucking black onesie, fucking sexy Slytherin to pass all these booby traps. I'd be into that. Okay, so these, at least one person acknowledged that they did know him, but they hadn't seen him in two years. Supposedly, but that's what somebody would say if they're like, "Listen, got nothing to do with this." All right. right. So okay. We, well, we know Gary had a checkered past. One thing we haven't talked about is Gary had a fucking huge rap sheet when I, he was off it. his meds. He was super fucking violent. Uh, he was unpredictable. Um, he he had pieced off to Oregon at one time. Went to his grandma's house, and his parents called him, and they're like, "Gary wants you to come back." He hung up and proceeded to walk back and showed up. Five hundred. 536 miles. Like the what, man was wait, what, not what, well. Whoa, 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 whoa. <clears throat> One second. He walked 536 miles? 536 yeah. miles surviving on milk off of people's doorsteps and dog food. And Okay. That's not even, dude, he pulled a fucking Shawshank and escaped from a psychiatric hospital through a fucking sewer drain. That's pretty badass. He, Oh, well, he, okay, listen, well, he's, he's also he, kind of a piece of shit. Like, I got some, yeah. there's, there's some bad well, shit. Well, you know what? Past. Like, he was, he's in the thralls of, like, mental, one, like, compounding, like, severe mental health problems and self-medicating with super illicit drugs, hard yeah. drugs, nonstop. So he was not in a good place. Mm. No, like, he... <laughs> that, that, obviously, hold on. Anyone who knows his rap sheet, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not giving him any excuses. Okay, so Gary had to stay in a psychi- psychiatric ward following a violent outburst while on a hi- hallucinogenic trip. Um, he went AWOL while in the military, which resulted in him being ar- arrested. At the time of his trial, he walked out of his cell butt-ass naked and sucker-punched one of the sergeants in the face. Okay. Uh, soon after that, he was given a medical discharge for having schizophrenia. After being discharged from the military, he stayed with one of his cousins where he was charged with assault and attempted rape on his cousin's 17-year-old wife. 
after being released from jail, he stayed with a couple uh, who he's friends with, but the couple had to call the police soon after because Gary was using hard drugs, acting erratic, talking about how he wanted to stab a woman in the face and telling the couple's three-year-old daughter, I thought I killed you once. I guess I'll have to do it again. Holy fuck. He's also got charges for prowling a cemetery at night and a few different fucking bar fighting charges. Well, the bar fighting, I mean, okay. get a couple bar fights, but the rest of it. Oh, so now that, now that we know Gary has his checkered past, perhaps that, you know, that the red truck that they encountered at Bears Market, perhaps that's someone from Gary's past that knows Gary from, you know, this, mm. his back area and is like, you, where have you been? You owe me money or you owe me whatnot, right? Yeah, that's a great theory. Let's elaborate on it. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it, Andrew. You motherfucker. Was this? No more pre-pod pep talks, buddy. It's over. It's done. He reached over the table, <laughs> stole your notes. He told my fucking theory. I didn't steal your theory. I was just transferring it so you could take it off. He was teeing it up for you. A nice, I, was, I teed a it up. That's what nice, I did. A nice, long, extra high wooden tee. I put the ball on the tee for you. Yeah, but that's all there is. That's what I was thinking, though. I think he might be ran with a few bit of the rough crowd in Forbes Town. Yeah. And like you said, he was newer to the crew in Yuba County. He right? was. Yeah, he was the he newest was addition. I think maybe Gary got on the fucking straight and narrow. I think he got a good med regimen that was working for him. He made some friends. He was trying to be a better person. Escaped his past a little bit. And I think maybe when they went to Bear's Market to grab some treats, they ran into a few of his friends from his past and possibly, you know, somebody that he had wronged in the past or potentially a drug deal that went wrong because you know that Gary kind of messed around with drugs back in the day and things went south. And I think they tried to flee and they got chased away because another random fucking story pops up from a guy named Alan Martin, who apparently stopped by the Matthias's house three months after the bodies were discovered. And he basically stated that the boy, that they had chased the boys down to a bridge near the Orville Dam, stated that Jackie was being slapped around so they could hear him whine. This angered Matthias and a fight broke out. States that Matthias potentially got thrown off the dam and then Glenn Baker drove Jack Madruga's car up the mountain. So, so then they would the drive, the it, drive them up the mountain, you know, park the car in the snowdrift, get out and scare the boys into the woods. Where there was supposedly, one of the dads said that there was shell casings found close to Jack Madruga's car. In a couple of the readings, I did see that, but, and and some people theorized that perhaps the police have just never given that information out because this is still an open case. So some of the, not all the information has been released and some people think it might be because the police are- um, They suspect you know, foul keep, play. Yeah, and so it, they're keeping some of this- so that people who really chest. know would know some of this could corroborate some of this evidence. Now, Zell, you asked a really good question. Why not go arrest this man? Because that would make a lot of sense. Arrest him. But it's not. So we don't know if Martin went to the police with his story, but Matthias's mom did go to the story. But unfortunately, the police were unable to question Martin because Martin was found dead three days later of a very suspicious drug overdose. Oh, shit. Tammy, Tammy Mathias, 
Gary's sister stated that one of the Martin's good friends owned a red stepside truck, just like the one witnessed at the bear market and by shown. Oh, fuck. So, I mean, this theory is, so he's running with a bad crowd before they run into him. He owes the money. They have a vendetta out against them. They take it out on him and his new friends by, you know, they either they drive the car or they force them off the road and drive them up there. And either, well, if there is shell casings and they say they did shoot them, they, they walked them up the path and it is snowing out. There's no footprints. There's so you no did, blood. The police say there's no one was I shot. I don't even think they needed to shoot him. I, like what I think is maybe they, so maybe Gary did get tossed off the dam and then they realize, okay, we have these four other guys that we have to deal with now. So they load them up in the car, take them up to the mountain, basically pop them out of the car, fire off a couple desk pops and they scatter up in the fucking mountain. I got a question, and I think this might this might be a reason why they didn't run the car and stay with the heater. If they did drive the car up there and scare them away, and they just took the keys, there's there was no way to start it. There was. It's interesting though. The keys were found on Jack Madruga, which is so bizarre. Oh, they were found. So yeah, oh, they here, found on him. Here's the two the two issues that I have with that theory. I, I like that theory. I do. I like it. I, it makes sense. It's grounded in reality. It's really true crime. You're like, okay, yeah, this makes sense, right? This, they followed up. The problems I have with it is that Gary's shoes were found in the trailer. So when they threw Gary off this dam, they threw him out of his shoes or they took his shoes off in the car and they made one of these guys carry his shoes up to... Yeah, that's the thing. The, the distance... If it's not 19, but it's still 11 miles, they really went what? through the motions well, to get it up there. Well, yeah, why did they bring Gary's shoes? The second thing is, the car is in pristine condition. If one of these guys got behind the wheel of the car to drive them up there, why the fuck? It. Why do the fuck do they give a fuck driving? Like, hey, this is a pretty nice car. I don't want to rat bag it down this road to scare you guys to hopefully kill you. Okay, and guys in I the passenger seat. Guys in the passenger seat with a gun. Jack well, Madruga is still driving. Sp- speed up. <laughs> yeah, but speed he's, up. And he's, yeah, like, but he's a creature of habit. And he's yeah, like, I can't. I'm going to drive fucking it. slow. Uh, so anyways. The theory of the damaged car for me is like, he could have just drove it up there with no damage. Like, like it, he could have just went slow and just not damaged it on the way up. I, I don't yeah. think the, da- the damage of the car is not a huge flag for me, but. They, they pop the gun off, scare them off in the woods. They still have the keys of the car. Just wait. Go back. You're not going to hike four hours in the snow. In the middle of nowhere. Like while you're fucking panicking, you're shitting your pants, you're running, you split up. A lot of these guys are by themselves at this point in time. And that would kind of speak to why they didn't fucking light any of the fires or anything like that. They didn't use the fucking chimney, anything like that, because that they wanted that, it. Yeah. They were hiding, right? Yeah. Uh, it it does. I mean, it's got it's got a shit ton of holes. This is all absolutely yeah. fucking Well, yeah, I mean, just because it's very apparent that these guys were not outdoorsmen. They had had no experience. They had never really, they never camped, especially in cold weather, you know? Buddy, I would have been dead six feet from that fucking car. Yeah. And I would have died from exposure. (laughs) You're not wrong. Now, this is is one that I like. And again, every theory that we have, it's not going to quite, it's going to have holes because there's holes on every kind of aspect of this. What if, hey, what, like, what if the engine flooded on the car? That shit used to happen all the time with old shitty vehicles. But they, I guess... You get stuck, right? You're giving it a little bit too much gas. Overflood But that would have to be what would cause, like, 
you would have to be flooding it when you're starting. Like when like the battery died, right? But uh, so here, here's what I. This is one thing. Was that this car me was with. this car a manual or a, it must have been a manual transmission back in I the day? I don't know. We'd have or to. Was it, we'd, we'd have, have to, to look, look that up. Maybe he stalled but it and then it couldn't get started. This is this is one I like. This the one thing that I thought was peculiar is when they found. Um, was it Jackie's Jackie's jacket? With the spine right. in it? Yeah, that's the, Jackie's. It had the spine in it. And the jacket, it was, the jacket wasn't in tatters, right? Which I thought was weird. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't torn up. It wasn't, you know, ripped apart. But that's all that was in his spine. Was spine. There wasn't Predator. arm bones. There wasn't Predator. arm bones. So like he was torn apart. Right? Like there was no arms, there was no legs. He was torn apart. But his spine so, was still in the jacket. In the jacket. So his torso and his skull was in kind of the same kind of area, right? And right. it just remained in the jacket. But like no arms, you know, no legs, no no pants to be accounted for. What if they they driving up there? And this is what my theory can account for. I don't I don't know. We have to kind of suspend belief of how they got up there. They get up there. And they get stuck and they get out to push the car because that's easy to do. Or something crosses the path and makes them kind of steer off and kind of crash the snowdrift. And they go, what is that? They get out to push mm-hmm. and there's something in the woods. I don't know what. And this thing... Sasquatch. I'm not Sasquatch. saying Sasquatch. I'm saying... I, okay, Sasquatch. I'm Sasquatch. saying Sasquatch. Me too. And these and these guys are... They panic and they, and they, they book it, right? They... They book it into the woods, running from this thing, right? They lock the doors. Right? He loved his cars. They, they leave, his they, car. they head out, and they, they kind of get, you know, they're stuck in the woods. Um, this thing happens upon um, the two at the 11-mile mark. He grabs two of them, pulls their arms off, leaves them for dead. The other three make it to the cabin. Um, Three. they break the window in a hurry to get in. They get in and they keep quiet. Now, Ted is in, he's in bad shape. His feet are fucked up. So they don't, they don't know what to do. They're, they're too scared to light a fire. They're too scared to leave because there's a couple sheds right outside that had more supplies and more food that weren't even touched. So that means like that kind of says to me that they were like, perhaps they were scared to leave. They've already broken one. Why not break, break into another? They're scared to leave. And it gets to a point where I think two things were happening. I think day by day, Gary without his anti-psychotic medication started becoming a danger to himself and others. I believe that one of them went, We, I need to go get help. He left, succumbed to the weather. I believe Gary then was helping Ted survive. He had one, a military can opener on him that was being used to open the rations and he was feeding Ted. But at a time, he, as he's kind of losing his mind and scared to go back outside, he, he decides he's going to make a run for it he takes Ted, uh, takes Ted's leather shoes because they're better than his own, leaves them. He grabs he grabs four Forest Service blankets and he heads out in the wilderness to try to make it. And at some point, he also succumbs to hypothermia and he sheds those blankets because four 
four service blankets were found like two kilometers north of the cabin. They just had no idea. They were just like, we don't know if that was, they didn't know. They can't attribute it to this case because they're like, it's, it wouldn't be like, it's in the area where the work was done. So we're not sure if it's they're old or, or what we have no idea. So you think in like a paradoxical hypothermia, he ditches the blankets and he just starts ditching them. And then he keeps going and he succumbs to the elements deep in the woods, but something scared them enough to drive them into the woods. I don't know what that was, but whatever it was, they were scared to light a fire because they didn't want anything to find them. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I I mean, agree. That makes more sense than if, but also if they didn't want something to find them, you break the window, you jump into the trailer, you now have an open window to the outdoors. Why not at least like put, try and stuff like a blanket or a pillow or something know, into that window? I, in, I'm not even entirely convinced that Gary Mathias didn't live. I, I also, that thought crossed my mind. Right? Like, I, especially when you said that he walked 500 miles, he's a resourceful motherfucker. Absolutely. And like, who's to say, yeah, he, he's off his meds, you know? So he, at this point in time, he might not even really have his full faculties. He might not know who he is anymore. He could just be, he could have just joined one of the vast fucking homeless populations in these he, areas and just lived on the streets. Like he, he com- was completely succumbed noted to schizophrenia. As saying, um, to psychiatrists and stuff that like one of his fantasies was one day he just wanted to disappear. It's still, right. it, that very well could be, but it still doesn't, it doesn't solve the mystery of them. Why they ended up up the road in the first place, completely the wrong direction from going home. So that leads me to, to believe there was, they, it was deliberate. It was deliberate, whether they were forced or not. It was deliberate. You don't just go, you wouldn't go that far off direction up a fucking hill. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like they got lost or, but it doesn't make sense. I don't sense. buy getting lost. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, but like the being scared, I like that. So they go up there, they, they're up this road for what it, the reason is unknown. The case is unsolved. Something crosses the road. You've never seen it before. It's terrifying. You swerve. You're kind of in the ditch. You're kind. You, you're freaking out. You see this thing. It's fucking Bigfoot. It's Sasquatch. It's glowing red eyes peering out from the from the woods. Starts fucking banging on his chest, scaring the shit out of these guys. They can't get out. It starts approaching. They run. They just run. And this thing fucking chases them all the way up to the cabin. What have we known in the past to make a car rendered pretty much useless to somebody? And then, you know, able to fucking go back to perfectly working order soon after. There is like some type of uh, phenomenon that has to do with UFOs and abductions that a lot of times will stop a car. Some like electromagnetic pulse or radiation or something, or something that seems to draw the power clean out of the battery, out of the car. Yeah. Dude, I I like that because that in my mind can account. I can get I can if we're talking aliens, I can get those guys up that mountain if we're talking aliens. Because a lot of people, we we've read cases, we know about cases where people just go into a trance and they lose time, right? So if these guys are driving back and they just lose time and they just end up, you know, whatever it wants them up the hill, you know, guides them there, you know. They're just all end up in a trance, not really paying attention. They drive up the hill and whatever, as soon as they get to the area, it kind of turns them to the bank and it just kills their battery, right? So now whatever wanted them there has them in the woods, 
right? Battery's dead in the car. It's completely drained. We just talked about that on Skinwalker Ranch happening. You know, Mapimi Silent Zone, that kind of stuff happens. Battery's drained. They, he, he, they're turning it. We don't know what's going on. We, that would make sense. Why push, why push a dead car, right? Why are you going to push a dead car out of the... Why would you even try? You're like, it's dead. What are we going to do? But it wasn't... Right? Com- it, what They did jump it, so it did have juice. So it just... The a, next day. It was a, yeah, it was a, a short... A short phenomenon. Phenomena. Right? So, so then, so, so what does that? How are they drawing up the road? Like the U, like a like a psychic, like, like a, s- yeah, maybe some sort of psychic intervention of this thing. They just this like had they made it, they would have been like, I don't know how we made it into the woods. We don't remember driving there. Completely, yeah, let's lost all that time. Right now, maybe whatever had them also had a, a woman, right? Like already in some sort of you know, trance or control or something. Because one thing that strikes me as weird is like the next day we do have an account of someone saying like, hey, that's the five of them. We saw them here. And the one guy that shouldn't be using a telephone is the one that they ID using a telephone, right? So I'm starting to think of like, maybe these are some sort of like like replicas that have come come down, like taking their shape. They're taking them- Body snatchers. Body, exactly. Body snatchers. They've come to town. They've made some calls to- fucking Roosevelt and area 51, right? They want, <laughs> come pick us up. Meanwhile, the other men have been dropped off. They, they come to in the cabin. They have no idea. They're like, where are we? Well, Why make, are we at this fucking That would make sense for the, for the distance. Yeah. Where are we? And then two of them go, okay, well we got to hike out of here. Right. And they leave. They come back. And they succumb to their injuries on the way back down, following the cat tracks what right? if they just? What if they just kept Gary? He was never right? found. Maybe they, maybe they were studying. Bug, maybe think about it, right? Maybe that. Maybe they wanted to study cognitive impairments. Maybe they wanted to study paranoid schizophrenia. Maybe some of his paranoia wasn't, you know, wasn't necessarily mental health issues, and he was legit having encounters earlier in his life that he didn't know about. Abduction encounters that sent him down that path. Yeah, and he kept. I guess there's no record of him saying anything about abductions, but maybe he just kept it inside and that's what, you know. <laughs> well, he'd be crazy. He's already been spending time in psychic, psych wards and shit like that. Yeah, and then you start talking about the abductions. Probably kept it to himself. Right, and they try, they all try to leave and come back, right? And they, and you know, because it's so cold and stuff, um, they just all eventually succumb to the injuries until you have uh, Ted, who's there by himself, and he just can't, he's too badly frostbitten, riddled with infection to even get out of bed to get more food for himself, right? It's, to me, if you just plunk those guys, if, like, if you, this makes more sense to me if you just drop them at that cabin. Yep, I agree. Right? And you, and then you make them try to get back, then I'm like, okay, they died getting back, it was too cold, it was, the terrain was too tough, they were not dressed for the weather. Okay, that makes sense. But for them to make it there doesn't make sense to me. And they're not, say they are dropped off at the cabin. They're not, like they're not handymen. They wouldn't know to go out to the back shed, turn on the propane, start the pilot, like get the fire going. They wouldn't know that. There was Honestly, no way. Honestly, Andrew would have been in the same boat. Yeah, Andrew would freeze 100%. for sure. He'd be like, pilot light? Ugh, what nope. do you mean? Yeah. I would have just started lighting stuff on fire. <laughs> you would have started lighting candles is what you would have well, done. Well, that's another thing though. They did say like there was a, there was books and paper that they could have burned that they did not for warmth. 
Yeah, but listen, I'd be crossing guys up in that Special Olympics basketball game. I'll tell you that much. You star forward. Yeah, in the, listen, in 78, all let's like with how easy they were chucking that, you know, those words around, we would all, all of us would have been on that basketball team. <laughs> Thousand percent. Right? Hundred percent. You know, we got silent Dan over here. He would have been on the team. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh. Anyways, it's, it's a wild case. I mean, there's, because the events after the car was found are so wild, like the bodies, the trailer, like, and the distance between the car and the trailer in the middle of snowy winter conditions. Yeah, it makes, does make more sense that they were, taken to the cabin and then try to get home like to walk all it just seems like why keep walking because at a good pace that walk would have t- taken you say you're just walking on a on a sidewalk flat sidewalk you're walking at a, a nice 5k pace it's gonna take you three hours flat uphill in the snow the wind how long would that take double triple the time okay how about this Zell? how about this even like let's say they weren't just dropped there but like they get to the car, whatever trance they were in, missing time or whatever, they just hike. They, in a trance, hike up to that cabin and they come to at the cabin. So now their bodies, they're like, man, I, I've got, my feet are fucked. What's wrong with my feet? Like, where are we? There's a cabin. Where, what the hell are we doing here? How'd we get here? Right? And now, so say if these, like, Say if the body snatchers, let's call them, took them over. Now these things are like, maybe they didn't think they would die. And they're like, hey, we got a couple days before these guys figure out what. We can kind of walk amongst them, right? Without drawing too much attention because no one knows they're gone. No one knows where they are. They're in the middle of the woods having to walk. We left them with a cabin, with resources. They should be fine. Mm, Yeah, and they weren't. I mean, I like all that other than the body snatchers, but I, I just don't find the, the one person reporting seeing Jackie Hewitt use a phone that credible. Yeah. Personally. It, that's just, I like everything else though. Yeah, because yeah. that, that, like that, that report came out later, right? You were saying? Yeah, yeah, it came out later when they were taking tips from everybody. And I just, I mean, like, yeah, like you're telling me that there's not somebody that kind of bears Jackie's resemb- resemblance that visited that get that uh, service station and used a phone at some point. Like, I just think it's a reach. Yeah, I agree. And then his mother, the mother goes to the house and it's all locked up. That could also just be, they were, they're dealing drugs. And that was absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's like, it's tough. Again, I, I work with special Olympics. I work with a lot of people who are independent and, there is a couple guys who would like, if, if you didn't tell them what to do, if I, I'm try I try to think like if I went to the woods with some of them and you know, we got dropped in the woods, they would just sit there and they wouldn't do anything until I told them. But there's also high functioning that would be like, okay, well I can, I can make a fire. Like I can do that. And like, these guys were driving. Some had military experience. So it's like, I don't, I hate when this like, Oh, you know, these, you know, Disabled people, they just got lost and they, well, they couldn't fend for themselves and they, it was the elements. I'm like, how do you account for them getting there? That's the hardest part for me. Yeah, it's so far out of the way, the wrong direction. It kind of makes sense if he's going to visit his friends and then it was like bad road conditions. It was foggy or snowy and they took the wrong turn. But as soon as you hit the dirt road, you would think like, turn around, like we're in the wrong spot. How do you know not one of them was dead already when he got there? Like maybe the one guy carried him 
to the cabin, to the trailer, and then just put miles? him down in there I, thinking I, he wasn't dead. That long of a hike in the snow miles? with a dead person on your back? Yeah, but they were large guys. They were athletes. Uh, they were, you know. No, no way. I, but but then the thing is, like, so who's, who? like, so one of them drags a body up there, but whose body? Like, are they laying the body down at the trailhead? Like, if one's dead already as they're walking up, like, what what are they doing with them? Because we know, we know, we know Ted lived for 13 weeks, up to 13 weeks in the trailer. I'm not saying he's already dead. I'm saying he's close to dead. So you get him up in there and whatever. I don't, I don't know where they get the 13 weeks. I, why not? Like yeah, you, you want to, you, uh, these, these fellows were uh, in various, you know, mental disabilities and um, mental impairments. Like bringing him up there, just thinking like, I can, I can make him better. If I get him warm, if I get him inside somewhere, I'm going to carry him. Like, I, I don't know. It's really hard to characterize their... I think it's very difficult to characterize their relationship, like how it is, like how deep it went. Yeah. Without without personally knowing them. And so how would you be like, I'd carry you guys up there. Fuck. Yeah, like, 100%. <laughs> I, would, well, I would die you know. carrying you. We'd both get ravaged by Bigfoot. <laughs> I but, wouldn't go up. Yeah. I would just stay in the car. Absolutely. And unstuck it and drive you home. <laughs> or to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff with this. It Nothing adds up. And that's why this case is such it, a mystery because there's like, well, how'd they do? If they did this, well, how'd they do this? If they got here, how'd they get there? Well, this again, this story makes sense. If you drop them at the cabin and the car wouldn't start for them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that car, they couldn't start it up. They couldn't fire it up. That's why you leave the car because or else you would just use the heat. But you had two of the bodies already left on the side of the road going up there. So those but two had we, passed out. So I would think that at least two of them were trying to make it. We don't somewhere. know if they were coming or going though, Dan. Like it's that's true. the one thing. We don't know if did they we don't we're not we can't we're not sure if they died on the way to the cabin or did they make it to the cabin and walk back. And honestly, like, do we even know if that's where they died? Their bodies were ravaged by animals. They were, yeah. Their carcasses were picked up and dragged and done whatever with, right? Like, we They don't... were cleaned. It was bones. Yeah. So, fuck. I don't know, man. <laughs> so, this one's so tough. Like I said, it, it, it makes more sense if you drop them at that cabin and then you have them wanting to leave. You're like, I don't want to be here. We need to leave. It's too cold to leave. Two of them are like, we're leaving. And they die. And then it's like, we should have left too. Yeah. Another one died, leaves and dies. Gary goes, sorry, Ted, your feet are messed up, man. I have to leave you. He leaves. He vanishes, never seen from him again. Gary always, wanted to, Gary always wanted to disappear. Maybe you orchestrated the entire thing. I mean, it's also like- To make his elaborate scheme to disappear. It was four months and they found the two bodies and like they were nothing but bones. Like it does, I mean- would track that you would have another person that they didn't find anything of because there's nothing left to find. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, you know, some people say that Gary orchestrated it to disappear, but like, yeah. why bring your friends to die? Cause it had to be all part of the plan. So nobody would look for him. That, that is a horrible idea. Why <laughs> would you take, <laughs> like, why would you, why would you not just take like a, a scarecrow toss it off the dam and be like, well, he's dead. Well, because then they drag the lake and have his body and realize it's a fucking scarecrow. Instead of looking for three other people besides you. Yeah. I, yeah. I, That's I, why the like, case is wild. We Listen, we still know, like, yeah, it's terrible what happened. These kids are missing. Families are rattled. There's still a mystery of why they all went missing. 
Absolutely. No one knows why. It's an open case. No one knows. That's why people are interested in this case. Um, the like the theory. One of the leading theories is that Gary perpetrated it. I don't. I can't subscribe to that. They they really paint Gary in a negative light because of his mental health issues. But it doesn't make sense to lure them out. It doesn't make sense to hike into the middle of the woods and leave them and take care of your friend for a couple days and then steal his shoes and vanish when you could just walk off at any point in time. I feel like, like he was the easy target. Yeah, he's the easy person to pin on this, and because I they agree. never found a body, they that they pinned it on Gary. Like that, honestly, I think so too. The Gary theory to me that Gary perpetrated is probably the most popular, but holds the most the least weight for me. I just don't, I can't subscribe to it. Yeah, yeah, no, I have a tough time with that too. A lot of, a lot of wild theories. So make sure you let us know, Facebook group. Instagram, any socials, let us know what you think. What, uh, what's your theory? What's your thoughts? What have you heard? Did we miss something? Because I mean, I mean, if we had a, if we had a cue card, the UB County five still unsolved. unsolved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's fun to look into. Check it out. Who's our theorite of the week? Our theorite of the week this week is Hajime Lara Mata. With the phenomenal Maester meme. <laughs> I fucking love this. The Maester's brain was lagging that day. And it's got a picture of jacked SpongeBob saying Dan's brain using eight syllable words. And it's got big puffy smiley <laughs> SpongeBob saying Dan's brain trying to say cowering. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to <laughs> say that word for brain. some reason. Cow, cow, cower, cowering. cowering. Oh, there. See, I can say it now. You can say it. He's been practicing. The last couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit here and say like cowering like five times in a row every day now because for some reason. Every, hey, uh, everyone's got something that they crutch on. Cowering's for Dan. Mm-hmm. If you're not supporting the show and you want to skip those pesky ads, get early access, the bonus stuff, all the other stuff, the live stream, head over to alientheorist.com, support on Patreon and or Supercast. They both do the same thing. This week's newest supporters, Kimberly Myers, Ryan Taylor, Lyndon Shepard. Dylan goes up to a $10 tier. Daniel is my daddy. Danny, got something to tell us here, bud? Different Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) Callum Gray and Keenan from NZ, New Zealand, I'm guessing. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. Peace. See you in after hours. <laughs>